Hey, Nora. Hey, Sandy. So, it's July 1st. Uh, I hate July 1st. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? Why? Why would you hate July 1st? Like, <laughs> I, I don't hate July 1st, and it's because in Quebec, everybody moves on July 1st. And so mm. for this whole weekend, imagine 75% of everybody who moves moving on the same weekend. And so every third truck that goes by has the contents of everyone's life in it. And so you can see so many different tables and cabinets and beds It's and, and creative ways to put them on top of cars. I mean, okay, <laughs> I actually really love this weekend. <laughs> right. For the same reason that the whole rest of the country loves this weekend? No, no. I mean, who doesn't love a long weekend, right? It, the first thing I would do if I got elected would be to put on to create more holidays. So I don't begrudge a long weekend. But Canada Day, Day of Canada, I don't know about that. Do you? How much do you love Canada Day? Uh, like less than zero percent, if that's possible. <laughs> Canada Day owes you money, is what you're saying? Yeah, it owes me money. It owes me time. It owes me <laughs> like. All sorts of things that are conceptual and abstract that I can't really put into words, you hmm. know? That's what Canada Day owes me. But more importantly, uh, Canada Day is like uh, the celebration of a violent colonial institution. And I don't know. I'm not like, I'm not about that. Are you? No, I'm not about that. And I, I don't see positive ways that people are celebrating Canadian nationalism I mean if there was a positive way to celebrate any kind of nationalism and of course there, there is like there's cultural ways to be proud of certain positive aspects of of nationhood but I I consistently see kind of what I consider to be the worst <laughs> of Canada celebrated on Canada mm -hmm. Day um, or the or the most hollow kind of things I mean this past week I saw there was a, a, a citizenship celebration where someone was uh, getting their citizenship after coming to Canada as a refugee and it's like this is really great and it's awesome that they're able to be a citizen but it took 26 fucking years for that to happen in this one case mm -hmm. it's like 26 years and that person didn't have full rights in this country like are we what, what sense does it make that it that we require people to spend so much time in this country lacking basic rights as citizens before they can actually have that like wonderful honor of being a Canadian citizen. I mean, it's just, that's the kind of thing that just makes me so angry. Yeah. Well, it is also the type of thing that this entire place, the idea of this place has been founded on and the idea of this place thrives on and has since the beginning of its making is the creation of the violent creation of this like type of, of citizen the Canadian and all those who do not fit into that grouping and as like as we are here today some of us have varying acceptances within that grouping called Canadian um, but I don't think it can be denied uh, that 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 type of violent in-group out-group creation continues and is thriving to this day. And there has been a really good example of that in the fervor that happened in the last month or so over the final report on the, the, the investigation into uh, missing and murdered Indigenous women in Canada. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. When I say fervor intense fervor <laughs> outrageous fervor it, it, like there were people whose jobs it were that week to insist any way possible that Canada has not committed genocide and if you ever wondered whether or not uh, the Trudeau government has people working <laughs> has contact tax in the media <laughs> uh, to, to publish editorials that support them well I think the proof was in the way that the media, the mass media responded to um, some of the, the, the things that were written into the report. And so, okay, in case you've been like, 
I don't know, living under a rock and didn't hear about this at all. The report referenced that there had been and is an ongoing genocide against Indigenous peoples in this country that is, uh, uh, that manifests in uh, the way that Indigenous women and girls in this country are subject to acts of violence and um, uh, threats against their full personhood and dignity in the way that non, when compared to non-Indigenous people. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and the report said uh, quite, I would say, uncontroversially, like quite, you know, stated the obvious mm-hmm. that this amounts to genocide. Mm-hmm. And uh, Canada lost its collective fucking damn minds over the fact that, that this was being acknowledged in print. And, you know, I'm reminded of of last year. I believe last year we did a Canada Day episode as well. And I believe we talked about similar themes. But the the fervor around which people approached the final report was really, Mm -hmm. like, I use the word intense. I think intense is probably the best word because I would otherwise want to say unbelievable, except it's, it's, I 100% believe it. I wasn't surprised by it. But I mean, going from, you know, columnists insisting that, no, this is not genocide, politicians insisting that it's not genocide, even though we have like very, well, we've got not only proof through the inquiry that shows how Indigenous women, girls, trans, two-spirit people have been, yeah, two-spirit people have been targeted in various ways, direct and indirect, as a result of colonization. But we also know that in this country, like, there was at least one indigenous nation that was completely wiped out, the Beotuk. And and so, like, I don't really understand how we can have, like, a common, like, I learned that in school. Like, I didn't learn much in school, but I definitely <laughs> learned that. And so, like, how the hell do you go from learning that Canada, the like the colonial nation of Canada, definitely wiped out at least one indigenous nation? And there's also like if you're not actually sure about the story of the Beotuk, like there's a lot of interesting things that say that they weren't actually wiped out, but that's also part of the colonial history. But instead, that there are that there ha- that through intermarriage, there there were people that survived. So even calling that a, a, a total wipeout is not fair. But popularly, if we understand that there was at least one nation that was wiped out, that's a genocide. I mean, that's literally, Mm -hmm. literally a genocide. That is a successful genocide by the definition of Mm -hmm. genocide. But then there's also like, like, you know, like, how is that something that this place is going to debate when one, you're, we all agree that the, well, you know, uh, perhaps to different degrees, agree that there needed to be an investigation like like people patted themselves on the back uh, that, you know, that there was going to be a national inquiry. What did you think that was just for show? Like, did you think that that was investigating something that wasn't real? What did you think the report was going to say? Like, we all know that Canada is one of the few countries that didn't sign on to the UN, um, the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People. Uh, like what did you think that was about there were mm-hmm. recent recent reports of sterilization forced sterilization happening as as recently as 2018 of indigenous people in this country and and what that's that's not genocide that's just like that's just what what does that amount to in the minds of the people who are reporting this because it's the same people who are reporting that stuff who are now telling us, yeah, but uh, this may not be genocide. But what the fuck is it to you people? Like, what does what does genocide mean? Mm-hmm. And as if that's the thing you're going to uh, to focus on. But you know, like, there's so many more examples. There's a crisis of young people committing suicide. There's a crisis of people being able to afford basic needs, especially up in the north. There's, uh, you know, a crisis of infrastructure um, being infrastructure whether it it be funding for infrastructure or uh, governments arguing over who should uh, be responsible for the infrastructure on reserves that result in uh, real public health issues um, that endanger people's lives and I like I just you know there's just so so 
so many examples the you know the eradication of language like I, I, it, there's just so many examples that it just it i i cannot it just seems like such a disingenuous thing for these white columnists to just you know have all of this time to like just you know write a column on whether or not this one thing this one very important obvious thing that the uh, that the final reports pointed out and make that the focal point uh, of what this investigation was. You said something really interesting, which is that on one hand, you have journalists who are looking at who are reporting stats and, and, and what I think is undeniable evidence of what is, in effect, a genocide. And then they turn around and write something that's an analysis that that then denies genocide. And it's not it's not exactly I don't think how it works, because by and large, you've got the columnists who are not having to report on the facts and whose job is to not necessarily focus on the facts, whose job is to actually maintain the political orientation of either their of their employer or maybe they're a maybe they're a, a dissident voice within the within their newspaper, and they're able to say something that's a little bit not the mainstream position. Although that's pretty rare. And so you know you'll have someone like Paula Simons, who until recently was a columnist for the Edmonton Journal, and a lot of her her work as a columnist was actually looking at child welfare and at all of the different failures within the child welfare system in Alberta. And her columns were like some of the best reporting from a white person on on the treatment of indigenous children now i don't know if you know paula simons or if that if that name twigs anything because she's now a fucking senator <laughs> like uh-huh. uh-huh so you know it's like oh that seems weird <laughs> okay yeah a little bit yeah. And so, like, aside from her, there's not really many columnists who who actually do look at the statistics and then turn around and then deny it because they actually keep their hands clean. They don't look at the statistics. They're just the ones being like, you know what, it's not a genocide. Or in the case of Evan Dyer at the CBC, who's a reporter, not a columnist, he's the one that went out and, 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 and sought Romeo Dallaire's opinion <laughs> to be like, oh, my hey. fucking God. <laughs> oh, my fucking God. Like, yeah. that, ugh. Well, what did you think about what do you think about that? What did I think about them talking to Romeo Dallaire about the experiences of indigenous people right here in Canada? Yeah. I thought it was uh, pretty fucking offensive. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. To like, like, let's let's see if we can get the expert opinion of this man whose claim to fame is um, uh, his his work as a UN as part of the Canadian uh, delegation to the to the to the UN uh, intervention in the genocide in Rwanda and let's see what he thinks uh, over all of the voices of the indigenous people here in this place and of course like you know his his whole presence as someone in Canada has been to to justify a lot of the ways that the Canadian military um, interacts with the rest of the world. And so, yep. you know, his his presence as a person in this place is to make the nation, is to make the nation uh, in all of its mythologies. And so, of course, of course, of course he would deny <laughs> that, I, that this is, that what is happening here is is genocide. But beyond that, like to say that a, a genocide, all genocides must look exactly the same to be genocidal is fucking ridiculous and mm-hmm. so fucking offensive. Mm-hmm. I, you know, like there's just so much that's in the report. Like the report is, let me look this up because have you looked at it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the report is like close to, I want to say it's like, in my memory close to like 800 pages let me just take a look real quick yeah I think it might even be over 800 pages certainly like the last chapter begins on like page 700 it's like what the fuck like what does Romeo Dallaire have to offer that is not in the report go look at the report go look at the report it has a massive section on why They've called it genocide because they knew they, they knew the folks who were writing the report that this is the type of thing that Canada would do. 
they anticipated it and they wrote it in because they knew. And how do they know? Because all all fucking marginalized people who have been, you know, demonized by a, a state knows what the response is to the things that they claim about their own experiences because they've been hearing that response their entire goddamn lives. And still, and still, it's like, you know what? We should maybe ask this white guy, like, what he thinks. <laughs> oh, it, I was, like, I'm. it's so unsurprising and so uncreative for a, a CBC journalist to be like, hmm, who's the expert on genocide in Canada? Who's going to be the counterbalancing voice to this multi-year thousands of people involved inquiry into what is currently happening in Canada let's go to a to a guy who is actually pretty random in terms of like he's witnessed a genocide but he was also involved in like Oka as like a military guy and Mm -hmm. what I also just found out was he was also a lieutenant during the October crisis (laughs) oh my god So, you know, so I I tweeted something about how, um, like, obviously, he's got an interest in supporting in in supporting the 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 state like he's a state agent and has an interest in supporting the Canadian state's official position, which, you know, the like Trudeau kind of accepted genocide as a word, which is interesting. But there's but the Canadian state has an interest in denying genocide, because if if we agree that Canada has engaged in genocide, then there's uh, there's certainly uh, moral implications to that. There's obviously financial implications that come to trying to repair that relationship, especially because not only is this a report that has financial implications, but there's also the Truth and Reconciliation Report. There's also many, many co- like commissions, the Royal Commission on Indigenous People uh, and, and commissions previous to that that all have recommendations that cost a lot of money. But then there's also international legal implications if Canada is officially mm-hmm. determined to have committed a genocide. So you bring in someone like Romeo Dell to have committed and to be continuing to commit in- engaged right? currently in. Yeah. And so to have someone yeah. like, you know, reach to Romeo Dallaire and you've got this this effectively this this state actor saying, no, it's not genocide. I've seen genocide. This isn't genocide. It's it's, you know, at the best, it's unhelpful. And at the worst, it's just the continued denial of genocide and of genocide from someone who's coming from uh, from a state security force or the Canadian military, which, oh, why was the Canadian military even created in the first place? Right. To clear to clear Canada for white colonization. I mean, the the, the connections are so obvious if you have a, a, a an inch of knowledge of Canadian history. But I guess I don't know, I guess. The Canadian media doesn't. I don't know. I don't know. I'd love to ask Evan Dyer what the hell he was thinking or if it was just like, I'm under deadline and I'm not creative and I'm just going to call up Delaire. But like, I took a lot of shit online from fucking, like a lot of trolls, but I took shit from like Patrick Lagasse, who's a columnist in Quebec, who's very known as being kind of this enlightened, reasonable, like middle of the ground columnist. Um, And he was like, oh, look, the the left has just as as many crazy people as the right has in relation to my comment calling out Romeo Dallaire. And I was like, oh, and what do you think this was, Patrick? And you go to his fucking his website and it's like, oh, he also is denying genocide. (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) So, 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 so ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's, It's like it's it's but you know what? Also very, very revealing. It's like. And and thus the proof is in is in exactly how you are all responding to this. <laughs> like if you cannot seriously fucking look at this place and acknowledge that there has uh, been and is an ongoing there is a continuing and ongoing genocide. Like if you if you can't do that and, and you're going to spend all of your energy trying to prove that there isn't one in the face of all of this violence that is happening against this um, this this community um, or a com- group of communities that exist um, across that and have existed here forever in varying numbers mm-hmm. like like that w- what do you think you're doing like you are you are contributing to to like the the denial of what is actually in place what does it harm you um, to acknowledge that it's happening well it invalidates the entire idea of this place mm-hmm. being um, in the myth making of this place, the, the, the gentle and um, responsible and, you know, the nice 
polite uh, nation that we claim to be. But we're like, can we just look each other, uh, look at one another, all of us who are in this place and acknowledge that? So many of us know that this is happening, but the ones who have the most power to define how to speak about these issues don't believe it. You don't believe it. And I don't know um, what it's going to take to get people to that place. But God, you know, like this this report, it's uh, over a thousand pages, actually. And uh, there's just so much in it uh, that that proves what's happening. The calls for justice in the report that point out all of the, the shortcomings of 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 the governments, what needs to happen from various in- institutions, the responsibilities that we all have. Um, you know, they it's not like 10 recommendations. It's it's a fucking lot. And they point out in the report all the other reports that have happened forever, you know, that that have resulted in far too little. The things that the government tends to do are things that they can, you know, point to as being done, like, you know, like a like a big inquiry or um, uh, something that they, that 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 includes some sort of photo op. But anything that 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 needs to be responded with, with with a lot of money or a lot of resources, a lot of time, a massive restructuring of systems. You know, those recommendations happen over and over and over again. And yet still for 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 so, so long, we have uh, these outcomes for this community, these these, uh, you know, the the atrocities that continue uh, to be leveled against these communities continue yeah like what does that sound like to you because it results in death it results in in a uh, a lower birth rate it results in a lower life expectancy it results in uh, communities that don't thrive like the dominant community thrives like that what does that sound like to you (laughs) what do you think that is yeah well, one of the ways to think about it for people who um, might not be that familiar with these issues, who might have only heard about sterilization or about youth suicide or whatever through the news, is to realize that Canada remains an extremely segregated nation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like we live in, we have segregated cities, we have segregated towns, we we are often kept away from one another. I mean, like the first time I, I, I just happened to go to school in Saskatoon. And so the first time that I heard about the, the, the about indigenous women being sterilized right after giving birth was from a classmate of mine who had experienced it. And, and I, w- I, I just happened to be in that environment because I had chosen to do my studies there, but otherwise I would have never have had co- like a, a relationship with someone who'd gone through something like mm-hmm. this. And the second that I was hearing this story, the way that she was telling it, it was like fully reasonable and justified in the doctor's mind. And she was grappling with the after effects that the physical after effects and obviously the psychological and and the and the mental after effects of the of the of, of having gone through it and i was like just so sick mm-hmm. to to hear how damaging this 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 experience this was for this for this one individual and and knowing that of course if it's happening to one person this is not it's not random this this is obviously going to be systemic in in some way in some number of hospitals but but Canada is a really segregated nation and we are kept apart from one another so that we don't actually talk about these stories and you know so there's places that you can exist online or you can exist in real life and you never have to never have to hear about uh, baby seizures that are happening right now right there's there's a, a high profile case in some circles of the of the internet of of a baby being seized from child and family services in British Columbia mm. because her because because child family services determined that her mother was not providing adequate care 90 minutes after her c-section and that she was drugged out i mean like yes because you just have a c-section that's literally what they do to you right oh my goodness and to to think i mean you know if you've never gone through a c-section like you are put on a tremendous amount of drugs (laughs) so that you don't feel anything below your you know waist and 
I, I can't even like after like I, I I think for me I was under observation for two hours and my children were not in my care because they had to go to the ICU. I don't imagine anybody who's got a C-section has their child immediately because you have to be coming out of the drugs and you have to be under observation. So you really have to just lie there and languish and not know what the hell's going on. And then for the next 48 hours, you're coming down off the effects of those drugs and you're trying to figure out what's up and you can't even do anything. You can't go to the bathroom. You can't walk. You can't you can't do anything but that's where the nurses are supposed to help you and bring you your child and this kind of thing but but recently a woman lost her her child because service child family services said that she was unable she was not caring for this child the first 90 minutes of her life after a c-section and it's just like that is not an uncommon experience for a certain kind of person in this country and that is ongoing genocide period obviously i think uh i think it might be helpful for this discussion like i i know that i well i hope that most of the people who listen to us um uh tend to to understand like don't need a lot of um uh convincing on this topic although i did see us referenced in the post-millennial or something recently so <laughs> I don't know, maybe not. Yeah, if you're listening to us because of that. So whoever's like <laughs> listening to us from like wonky fucking con- conservative outlets, like, uh, hello. I hope we, you know, turn you over to the side of truth, justice, and light. But uh, I, I, I do hope that most of the people <laughs> who are who are listening to us don't uh, need too much convincing. But I do think it's useful for folks to take a look at the report yourself it is it's it's quite a read uh we'll link it uh in in the show notes um uh but there but there is an executive summary that is is shorter and you can you know take it in in chunks but i do think it's useful uh to actually take a look at what the report talks about with respect to um how they define genocide because it's not even that you know the report has come up with its own um definition of genocide and it's using that it's like using the first definition <laughs> of genocide mm-hmm. um uh, mm-hmm. as it was uh, as it was you know detailed by a scholar and then it and then it goes on to reference the UN definition of genocide and it's like in both cases uh everything checks out yep it's like let me let me read to you yeah. like the the, the definition of genocide uh, as first coined by, uh, according to this report, um, the Polish Jewish legal scholar Raphael Lemkin at a conference in Madrid in 1933. So uh, g- genocide defined as um, occurring across several different fields. First, political including an attack on and the subsequent disintegration of political institutions. Has that happened here? I would say, yeah, Yeah. 100%. 100%. Social, including the abolition of existing laws and the imposition of new justice systems. Undeniable. Cultural, including forbidding the use of languages in schools and in the press. Undeniable. Economic, including the destruction of the financial base of the group, and including actions aimed to cripple or reverse its development. Undeniable. 100%. Biological, including measures aimed at decreasing the birth rate among groups of people. Undeniable. Physical, including the endangering of health and mass killings. <laughs> Unfucking deniable. Religious, including the disruption of existing systems of religion and spirituality and the imposition of new systems. Again, undeniable. And finally, moral, including attempts to create an atmosphere of moral debasement within this group. Undeniable. Like, you know, if you were ever, you know, feeling a little like, I don't know about this issue that I'm reading in the press, go read directly um, what people from these groups are saying. Um, you know, like th- th- this report is very fucking good, like in terms of the way that it uh, the, the introduction um, is is what I've read really carefully so far anyway. I haven't read the whole thing, I'll be honest, um, but I'm intending to, and I'm hoping that some folks who are listening will as well. It's good in the way that it, it, it goes through the context, the background. It knows what it's going to be coming up against um, when it's claiming what it's claiming. 
And so I would encourage folks who, uh, whether whether or not you uh, are, um, you know, convinced or not, because you may have to do some convincing with family and friends, you know, like, just just read this report. Take a look. If only just to honor the work that went into this as well. I mean, these documents cannot collect dust on a shelf. And one of the one of the really difficult things about Canada is that this country is not like politically is not that much different than when it was founded in 1867. Like we have two of the same political parties that are still operating. The parliamentary system is by and large the same. You know, it was a system that was created specifically to disenfranchise anybody that wasn't a white male property owner and then then gradually rights started getting added to the list but as those rights got added to the list we didn't really see fundamental change within how this country is governed and so one of the one of the realities that i think canadian citizens have to contend with is how implicated are our current structures in continuing this genocide i i would say very and the 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 problem is if we accept that it's the system itself has been created to be a genocidal system because i mean i'm not that interested in 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 those people who can listen to that list and then deny any aspect of that list from happening that's just straight up racist genocide denial like you cannot deny anything on those lists on that list of what has happened in this country that has all happened it's all documented and you can find that out so then the question becomes what do, what does have to change and the report recommendations are definitely paths to to fixing things but what happens when the barrier to fixing a lot of the things that that the report identifies is in the very structure of this country like that's mm-hmm. that's where stuff starts to get mm-hmm. really spicy for people that have power in this country because then we're calling into question the entire foundation on which Canada has been built and is continued to be reimagined physically reimagined and and, and, and psychologically reimagined like thinking of this from a very practical like what someone would say a practical kind of perspective so the liberals were given this report and it's up to them to implement it, except like they might not even be in power in six months. And a lot of these recommendations can't just be put into action and they're already not even sitting anymore. So there's not even a way unless they recall the House of Commons to just do this stuff. So it's like, how are we going to figure out a way to force change from outside of the political system? Or how involved are we as Canadian citizens who might be active in formal partisan politics in the maintenance of these structures? Or, I mean, put another way, like, if you're sitting out there enjoying Canada Day because Canada Day is wicked and you love Canada, how how implicated are you personally in maintaining the myths that allow for the, for the continued genocide of Indigenous people, Indigenous women, g- girls, two-spirit, trans people to continue? And I think that that's where it gets very difficult because this is where you need to start imagining ways in which Canada itself its very existence is the problem which means coming up with the solution requires undoing elements of the Canadian Federation and this is the piece that I think a lot of people have a lot of of issue with because it you know something interesting has happened over the last uh you know I would say decade or so where you know, indigenous activism and indigenous fight back has made it undeniable or impossible for a um, a, a well-meaning person who fucking thinks of themselves as a good person and like, uh, you know, is a good liberal uh, to deny that certain things have happened or that certain realities are true. Mm-hmm. That that indigenous community communities across uh, this land are in a place, uh, are experiencing violence and atrocities in a way that must be acknowledged. Like that, that has been accepted into the, like the liberal identity. Liberals know that that's something that they need to acknowledge. And that has come with, you know, years of hard work from activists. But 
what's missing and what they what they have issue with as most liberals have with a lot of issues <laughs> is the accountability piece <laughs> is the undoing piece it's like for a liberal it's cool to say i'm sorry and to have an acknowledgement from the prime minister who might have a tattoo or two that proves that you know he's a good person and thinks about these things maybe once or twice in his lifetime but the the actual undoing yeah like that actually is going to be inconvenient it's not something that's going to make you feel good about yourself in any way shape or form it no. might inconvenience you it might fundamentally change your life and what you have access to and your stature and that's the piece that liberals cannot contend with and that's the piece that allows for our mass media when something like this comes out to say instead of focusing uh, like they would have in other instances on oh this is happening and let's have a photo op and let's uh, commit to some things and let's put out a report and hold it on high and never actually do any of the recommendations well maybe one or two but not the 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 entirety of them what makes it this 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 report refuses to allow uh, that to be the conversation and that's what makes it difficult for these liberals who uh, would rather just acknowledge a thing apologize for a thing and move on and say hey we're good people because we acknowledged that thing and we apologized for that thing and we intend to not do that thing again it's in the past or even worse, you know, don't talk to us about this thing until we get reelected. And so you have to do everything we can to get reelected. And then we will maybe implement some of these these recommendations. Well, I mean, uh, this week, uh, I believe it was this week, uh, Trudeau promised uh, that upon reelection, the um, the U.N. Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People uh, would be passed uh, by his government if he was reelected, which is like, OK, well, why haven't you passed it? Wow. Right. Why hasn't it been passed before? There's a private members bill on the table by Romeo Saganosh that the Senate is holding up uh, right now that is to do exactly that. But how fucking cynical, right? Like that you like that that's something that you can announce as something that you're going to do the next, you know, get me back in. And I'll promise I'll do this thing that I could have done in the first few days of my fucking election. I have a majority goddamn government. Yeah. Well, and, and that <laughs> like, pa- the bill of Sag- Saganash's bill is, is dead, right? Like it died on the order paper because it couldn't get out of the Senate. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> right? Like, right, because they're not sitting anymore. Right, yeah. So it's 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 gone. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, and, and, and like unfortunate because like – a lot of folks did a lot of work to try to get that through. And and this is where the, the deep irony of, you know, Trudeau refusing to even deal with Senate reform in a good way. Like, he, you know, appointing independent senators was like, in theory, good because these people wouldn't be bound by the government and they could actually study bills. But part of what's kind of been created is that these independent senators and when Paula Simons is now one of them, they're like intensely studying legislation as if they have any fucking mandate but it's like sorry who are you people and why are you holding this stuff up Mm -hmm. and so the conservatives still actually have a lot of power because they're still able to act as a block whereas the liberal appointed senators are like like school children like in terms of not really working together and all kind of studying it based on their own kind of impressions and their own egos and their own you know priorities but I, you know, I, I would add like the, the liberal you, you, you named so well the liberal problem in all of this. I would add the NDP to this as well, actually, because I don't see much of a difference with the mm-hmm. NDP. Oh, well, I didn't I didn't mean liberal as big L. <laughs> I meant liberal as little L. I hope that was clear. If not, <laughs> I'm clearing it up for all of y'all right now. <laughs> yeah. And I, I want to highlight that because I because I don't like because the NDP is is just as guilty of this in in how they talk about indigenous issues and like aside from the work of people like Romeo Saganash like the I was very annoyed to just see that the response from the from the NDP was just like them saying oh this is a genocide we agree and -hmm. it was like can you go a bit Mm -hmm. further I mean Mm -hmm. this has been Mm -hmm. that was like that was like the t-ball version of responding to this report where I mean, the mainstream press, the columnists, the conservatives have put the, the ball on the tee and that ball was like not genocide. And, and, and Jagmeet Singh walks in and knocks the ball off, says it is genocide. It's like, no, no, like, <laughs> we 
need we need a party to to go further than that and have a coherent path to fundamentally transforming Canadian power in the Canadian Federation to stop the ongoing colonization of this of this land and maybe that's a tall order because the NDP is a liberal party a small l liberal party but I mean you look at the clarity of the conservatives which is like denial racism not an issue we don't actually care right that is a a political clarity that I find to be fucked up and bad, but it's at least clear. And I think that people are attracted to political clarity, even if that clarity is bad or good. I mean, I think that people can see clarity. And so the liberals are never going to be clear because it's in their DNA to ride the line and to do what's politically expedient and to get themselves back into power every four years. And the every four-year cycle is also part of colonization. I mean, you can't get anything past if you're afraid of not getting reelected and therefore you're just not going to do even if your heart's in the right place. And that's not what I'm saying that liberals have the heart in the right place necessarily. Some might. But even if your heart was in the right place, the four year cycle really fucks up your ability to create fundamental change. I mean, no one wants to have a quote unquote constitutional crisis, but it's like, guess fucking what? To implement these recommendations, to implement the recommendations of the Truth and Reconciliation Report, to stop the ongoing genocide that is happening in this country is going to require opening up the constitution and considering Mm -hmm. things in the Canadian constitution that were created to colonize and to eliminate people's identity and removing those and replacing them with something else. And I mean, I'm, I'm not a constitutional scholar. I'm not a fucking lawyer. You're not yet a lawyer. Um, We, (laughs) where are, and there are a lot of really great indigenous governance experts and indigenous lawyers who are doing this kind of work but i mean from the major political parties where is the vision where is the vision of coming up with a a a decolonized canada where we actually can share things where the relationship isn't take 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 ravish 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 and lead leave people to to be in complete desperation and horrible situations isolation and and misery i mean it's just like we 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 and i'm now talking on behalf of white canada like do 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 we see how fucked up we are and how fucked up colonization has made us as well like do we see what we have to undo in our own systems to stop this pain or do we only understand repeating cycles of pain and inflicting cycles of pain on other people and like who wants that to be their fucking legacy god damn which community wants that to be their fucking legacy? Get it together. People see money. I mean, that's the that's the thing is it's all it's we're we're ruled by by money and we're ruled by uh by clowns. I mean, <laughs> like does just does Justin Trudeau actually really know what the fuck is going on? Dude. <laughs> like, at all? I think we both uh, not know even the initially like, in general. <laughs> <laughs> we both know the answer to that question, but yeah, it's it's money, but it's more than just money. It's money, it's power, it's like it's white supremacy, it's it's capitalism, and it's colonization all together, and anti-blackness. Like all of those things together is like what creates our our like political systems. And it's uh, I, oh man, just to to kind of veer off course just for a second. I don't know if anybody out there watched uh, the Democratic debates that were happening in the United States where. Gillibrand, one of the candidates, one of the, you know, like 7,000 candidates for Democratic leadership in the United States, <laughs> was like at one point unironically said um, in the debate, <laughs> there is a difference between capitalism and greed. And we need to like to extract the good of capitalism from the bad of greed. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, it is the same <laughs> thing. And that's the shit that like is like one of those big fucking hegemonic hegemonic power forces that is destroying our communities. And of course, destroys certain communities um, first and more intensely over others. One of those communities being indigenous communities. So. You know, fuck you, mm. Gillibrand, and also anyone else who believes that bullshit. Well, also, fuck anybody who, like, would believe that bullshit and say it aloud on national television with a straight face. I mean, like, 
at the very least, if you're a capitalist, be proud of being like pro greed. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that's what it's all about. Yeah, but but money is a big piece of it. But it's just it's it is. I don't want people to come away just thinking that it's just capitalism because it's more than money. It's just it's like all these power structures interacting together um, that allows people mm-hmm. to be like, let's just ignore this issue or like you know argue this ex- extremely obvious point. Yeah, yeah. The the Dominion. I mean, this also goes back to the heart of of Canada. And Canadian identity, right? The dominion over the dominion over this this country and these wide open spaces and terra nullis. It's all. It's it's all it, it really is in the heart, I think, of of white Canada's identity, and and that's how white supremacy manifests itself. And and we need we need unions to fight this stuff because I mean, there's a lot of union members who have these opinions who fucking need to be like smacked with some education, and that is the the role that unions need to be playing. And then and we need political parties to be better at it. And I have no hope for really any of them doing it, it well. And so if you're listening and you're involved in a political party, it's like how are, like don't think of your policy conventions. Don't think of the positions that you can take. Think about like how are you organizing to reach across the segregation that exists within the society to be able to allow individuals to see a reality that they don't understand and, and to actually come up with, with 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 ideas together. Because that's the other thing, too, is like it's when we actually can talk to each other and we can brainstorm and come up with our own collective solutions is the way that we are able to get ourselves out of this mess. But don't also get in, in your head that, that, that Canada is a great nation. I mean, we're like, we're a fucking fake nation. (laughs) We're like, there's nothing, there's nothing holding Canada together other than like a lot of myths that are really pathetic, like, you know, Tim Hortons and hockey or whatever. And, uh, and this like tie to the to the land that that you only have because fucking someone stole it for you like don't 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 think it's any more profound than that i mean at some level a lot of us came because we were given free land right that's certainly how my family mm-hmm. came here my family was given land and was was told to leave indentured servitude in england and come to canada to free land and thanks to that land, you're able to have economic advancement through, you know, inheritance and selling the land through development and all this kind of stuff. And so every single conversation about resource extraction and the, and the tar sands and mining and uh, an urban versus su- suburban versus uh, rural Canada, all of it goes back to these myths that are celebrated on Canada Day and that are used to help ignore, obscure, deny the ongoing genocide that is so obviously happening on this land and then even worse refuse a a sober conversation on how to fix these things because when you deny that there's genocide you don't have to talk about how to improve anything and when it's made uncomfortable or difficult or even dangerous I mean like a lot of people who were were really working hard online to be like no no it's genocide like here's all the very obvious facts the 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 online troll brigade was really intense trying to keep people online I mean there are there are powerful forces that don't even want us to talk about what the alternatives are Um, and so we have to find ways to have that conversation and to not be intimidated or put off or or made to be scared of by these forces that don't want us to talk about these things. Mm-hmm. And so in some final words, um, you know, like on this Canada Day and all other Canada Days, like make a habit of and not just on Canada Day, but make a habit of really interrogating what this place is and what it does uh, to Indigenous folks, to people who Nora referenced at the beginning of the of the uh, of the show um, who may have been living here for so long as not uh, citizens denied particular rights of, of workers uh, who, uh, you know, uh, temporary foreign workers perhaps who were denied their rights. Like there's so much proof of the, uh, the violence that this place inflicts on people every day. And there's quite frankly not that much to celebrate when you put that into into juxtaposition of the way that Canada likes to think about itself. 
And I think as people who are decent people or want to think about ourselves as decent people, we have a responsibility to continually reject the frame that Canada wants to put itself in, to reject the myths that Canada um, tries to uh, spread about itself in the making of itself. And, uh, you know, like that is like the bare minimum of what can be done. And uh, as a final, final note to media, like, my God, y'all are just so white. If you had, you know, like just a few more BIPOC people working, if you had any, like the, the discussion that happened about um, the genocide um, a, a language being used in the report would have been so different across uh, across across this fucking uh, media landscape in this place. Uh, but it was it was wholly one sided because you folks are like just so fucking white and such a bastion of whiteness and a fucking like agents of white supremacy and so please for fuck's sake end that shit oh my god do yourself a favor and read jesse wente's recent piece for now toronto because he goes through a lot of this Mm -hmm. and and it will you know it's important to actually read good analyses so definitely find it jesse wente thank you for writing that in now magazine now toronto but we have got to understand the Canadian media as not just being neutral. Like they are agents of the maintenance of white supremacy. And there is a reason why the Globe and Mail and the Toronto Star want to deny genocide. There is a reason that they are denying genocide. And in, a, in, a, in, a, in an era where fake mm-hmm. news is a real threat, this is where the mainstream news needs to get it fucking right. Because we can tell when you're lying. And so to deny genocide in a country where it is so clearly unfolding in your own fucking pages i mean thank you we'll have a snapshot of that in 50 years when we're all doing another inquiry into what happened like great but it it is (laughs) yeah i mean editors guys you got to do better you got to do better you got to do better you got to better you got to do better you might you know just quit actually quit and and fill your position with someone who's not white that's i think really what we got to do here (laughs) I support it. 